you have to have a patience. No matter how, how any business, if you don't have all the clues, you have to have a patience and listen to how things go. Because sometimes people just rushing for the numbers. And if you just rushing for the number, you're not going to get it. Yeah, they're going to screw you. We're talking about a whole carpet removal. A plumber can come to you for simple stuff. He can just put a snake in and snake your pipe for you. He can come and tell you, you need to remove the whole house pipe. Information, information is a key. Uh, information, information is a key. Because some there are a lot of contractors out there, they want to milk you to make their money. But it's a way to see, you know, I don't want it that way. You want to do it this way for me? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because knowledge is the key when it comes to business. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have Romain Canoe. Romain is an optometrist turned owner of Rain and Real LLC, a real estate property preservation agency. Today, we dive into several entrepreneurial topics. A solid takeaway from today's show is transitioning from international business to national business, the advantages of learning abroad, and understanding that information is king when it comes to business success. No more spoilers. Let's jump right into today's show. Welcome to the show, Romain. So, Romain, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. We've been planning this uh, all day. <laughs> yeah. well, I think when it started with you helping me build out the home studio, though. The home studio? Yeah. <laughs> getting these things set up and kind of getting things built out, man, I definitely appreciate your help. No problem. No problem. So, I mean, tell our audience a little bit of who you are. Okay. My name is uh, Romain Kadu. I'm an immigrant from West Africa, Togo, to U.S. almost 20 years ago. Okay. Landed in New Jersey, went to school in New Jersey, graduated in New Jersey, married in New Jersey. You like New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much I like New Jersey. Sometimes when you land somewhere, it's like your roots start sinking in and then you don't think about something else. Okay. Until you realize, hmm. Let me go over here and see the difference. You see the difference and you know, I'm not living <laughs> here anymore. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So, I mean, describe yourself in three to five words. Three to five words, I would say honest and free. And the rest is like, whatever I like, I'm attached to it until I get bored. 
Got it, got it. Speaking about getting bored and switching things up. Yes. I think when I first met you when we moved into the neighborhood, you were telling me that you were an eye doctor. Yeah, I'm optician, yeah. Yeah. I've been optician for 13 years. Okay. <laughs> I still have my license in New Jersey. Hmm. I can go to New Jersey today and practice as an optician. I think your passion is more so into real estate. Real estate, yeah. First of all, going to school, I went to school for engineering. I have two associates. I have my associate as a whole engineering background, and then I have my associate in uh, applied health for as an optician. Hmm. Yeah, but when I was going to school for the engineering, I was thinking about taking something on the side to do if I'm get bored by my engineering stuff, and then I took an exam to go to radiology, and the radiology at that time was full, and I met the director for the optometric program. Mm. And he just welcomed me to come to the optometric. I'll never, never think about doing optical in my life. I went in, got my license in New Jersey. I managed it for three years. I worked for Costco, for Lenscraft. I worked for Lenscraft, I got my license. I worked for Walmart. I worked for America's Best National Vision. I worked for Costco. You name it. I work for optical. No high end of glasses. Glasses cost like a five thousand, three thousand. I've been to almost most of the main companies who run optical. So how was that transition from going from optical to moving more into the real estate side? The real estate stuff like me and my wife, we like real estate. And the real estate business is like one of uh, the one we find like a more secure. Mm-hmm. about anything no matter how the markets go down mm-hmm. it take about two or three years it go back on and then it's something you own you own it you have it you have it nobody will take it away from you until you maintain it or you lose tax on it what you guys did i mean you specialize in one thing in the real estate i mean you you obviously buy homes and you flip them but the other thing that you do is somebody else that's flipping a house you go in and what is it that you do exactly? Right now, I switch from being like a, a real estate agent just to buy a house or show a house to people. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't like doing it. My wife likes doing that. Right. But we, we went to the real estate just to look into it to mm-hmm. buy. And we did that in New Jersey. And we flipped a couple of them in New Jersey and Pennsylvania in, okay. the, po- in the Poconut area. And after that, when we moved down here, I said, no, there's more side to the business than showing, showing up houses to people. And I'm now I'm in uh, a property preservation in real estate. It's like a pre-foreclosure business. If the bank kick you out from the house, I'll go in, clean up. I'll go in, board the windows and secure the house or change the locks for the bank so they can look for a new buyer. Got it. Yeah. Got it. In every area you see a bunch of them. Usually the houses are owned by the bank and they maintained by the bank. The bank can clean the front yard or the backyard to look the house look presentable according to the codes for the area. That goes in as a subcontractor, a vendor from the bank, and go and maintain the house so the house doesn't look outdated or like abandoned. How did you decide to even pick that niche of real estate? I picked that because... Uh, I was sick and tired of like a clock in, clock out for my optical job. And then I was looking something to own something and do something on my own to be a freelancer. Like if whatever time I have, I'll manage it on my own than 
go in from nine to five job and you get stuck over there. And especially when you come to the vacation, vacation, especially vacation time is one of my headache. I have family abroad in Europe or Africa. You want to go to Europe, it's like you're losing two days on your vacation to travel. You go over there, you only have how many days on your vacation time is uh, you have only 14 or 13 days to spend. And you don't even have time to spend enough time to spend with your family. It's true. I love the money, but sometimes the money doesn't satisfy everything. The job, they pay good. I manage it, they pay good, but I'm now satisfied 100%. But if I had to follow money, that means I'm stuck following the company two weeks or one week vacation time. It does not make sense for me. So, I mean, transitioning from to real estate yeah. and then going from real estate into a niche, yeah. what kind of hurdles did you overcome in that process? The, well, the hurdle I've come up in that process, uh, it's a time consuming to be into that business. To get even right today, I spent like uh, two or three hours on the phone about contracts. You had to keep calling the company. There's a bunch of them and there's property everywhere. It's like sometimes it's like you had to be in contact with them all the time. Email over email, phone call over phone call before they know you. So, and then the contract will start coming. Anytime it's like a, we can sit over here, it will be a bunch of email, like 20 or 15 email. We have control over here for grass cut. We have control over here for winter rising. It's, it's time consuming. You have to have somebody on your side or you have to have the foundation to start with it. It doesn't come over with nothing. And uh, sometimes, like when you sitting watching back, where you used to, how you used to live on your financing, it's like oh, every two weeks or every week, just you have a check guarantee. You go to work, you don't work, you get paid. But this one, you had to be on top of whatever you're doing to to get your money. Got it. Out of it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So I mean, we always hear about the overnight success stories that took twenty years to mm-hmm. become a reality. Yeah. So do you think where you are right now, how long did it take you to get there, personally? To get here where I'm at right now, I would say like it take like 15 years total. Because sometimes when you move fresh to U.S., especially from a French country, it's difficult to, like uh, to, I don't know what kind of word to use. To get to U.S. system is not easy. Mm-hmm. The French way of doing things is different and to understand it to be into it it takes longer to get to u.s system like comparing somebody who come from togo to somebody who come from ghana or nigeria they're like a british english so tell people i mean some people may not even know where togo is where is togo togo is located in west africa togo history is this way togo is colonized by the german and after world war one the British and the French took all the German colony mm-hmm. and divided them. And Togo is one of the, the one critical example for it. Togo was divided in two. This whole, the small part who exists right now maintained the name Togo. The second part who was taken by the Britain, it's called Togoland, it's taken by the Britain. It was added to Gold Coast to make Ghana. Ghana wasn't exist before, after 1960. Hmm. Yeah, Ghana, well, the name Ghana that wasn't exist before. It was Gold Coast. 
when the British took the Togo lens, the one they took from the half of uh, the German part, they added to the Gold Coast to make Ghana. Nkrumah, who was uh, one of the leaders who got independent for Ghana, they gave the name Ghana to those two parts. But till today, you see half of people, same family, same name, same family court who live in both parts of Togo and Ghana. They speak the same language. They have the same dialect. They have the same ceremony. They do everything the same. Yeah, so it was a difficult transition in coming from West Africa to the U.S. and then going from whatever you knew there from a business sense and yeah. transitioning into U.S. business? Yeah, the business sense to U.S. is uh, more easier. When you know business back home and to come to U.S. is more easier for you because mm-hmm. up, up there, everything is dealt by cash. They don't have credit system in Togo. In the English side, it starts coming up. The French system doesn't give you credit easily. But when you come to U.S. and you understand the system, it's more pretty easy mm. for you. Yeah. It's like you when you stay in the bracket to have a good credit and to start your own business, it's more easier for you. Gotcha. So, yeah. so you pretty much came with an advantage. Yeah, the advantage, yes. Yeah, because of when I used to sell used car back home. Mm. I used to sell used tire back home coming from Europe. And when you are into business back home, there's a lot you know. And but when you come over here, it's it's a U.S. system is more easier for you when you're in business. But school-wise, is a different story. School-wise, is like a French system is it's outdated. It's outdated. The French system is like, especially when you study back home, the French system is like, you are going to hit yourself and uh, what are we doing? Got it. It's like they make you study stupid stuff. Who even that will help you on any level? At all. I think that's universal. I think that's globally. <laughs> no, it's not globally. It's not global because uh, if somebody can say it's globally, but when you comparing the French system mm-hmm. back home mm-hmm. to US, mm-hmm. even close to Ghana, Ghana, the British side, they have more applicable system mm-hmm. compared to the French system. The French system is this way. They try or they think they can create an elite system. When it comes to education mm-hmm. and the elite system, but their system doesn't have elite society. Okay, you can't even imagine a kid can't fail in first grade. You can spend three years in first grade. You cannot. Yes, second grade you can fail in second grade. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how long you stay over there. You didn't pass. Really? Yes. Imagine somebody can fail for second grade till high school. Until you say, I'm going to college. What are they gaining from me? Nothing but growing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see the French system they have, it's ridiculous. How did it? It's like somebody, for you to get like a 17-year-old or 16-year-old to go to college, mm-hmm. you have to be like a smart of the smart. For example, if you have a geography, you have a math, you have a physics, you have a biology. When you're taking your exam, to go to the, your next class. If you fail in biology, you have to redo your whole year. That's the French system. It's not like you pass geography, you pass math, you pass for physics or chemistry, or you can only take your biology, you're failing to move to your next class. No, you retake every
everything from the beginning to the end. So do you think that your education that you got overseas helped you to where you are right now? Or did you learn more when you came over here? It helped me. It helped me, but I'll say it this way. They bombard you with nonsense stuff. When you succeed over there, it's easier for you to move on over here because the system over here is pretty easy. But the French system, it's like they bombard you with everything. To stay over there, it doesn't help you. Somebody I go to school with, if I'm comparing the education I'm getting over here to U.S. to whatever he's doing over here, mm-hmm. he's pretty smart. He, the guy over there is pretty smart, but it's not helping him because he's stuck in that system. The system doesn't promote any oh, improvement. It's like you're stuck. Somebody, it's like a, somebody like a language or literature major mm-hmm. know everything about math and chemistry. Somebody in chemistry know everything about literature, all this kind of nonsense stuff. It's like they, yeah, yeah, they prepare you. It's like to get ready for everything, but it's not helping us. In the U.S., if you, if I'm in a major in geography, I don't have to take a Einstein physics to pass my geography major. You want to learn how to time travel, right? Yeah, <laughs> but but the French system is it's a good in certain way, but mm-hmm. it's not. Last time, there's a friend of mine who, sh- who sent me a picture of uh, a cricket, the insect. We studied that thing in classes. We had to know each part of it, what it does, what kind of season, the cycle, this kind of nonsense stuff. It's like you had to know it on top of your head. But in my real life, what do I need that stuff for? So if there was one thing that you could do differently yeah. outside of education yeah. to get you to where you are a lot faster, yeah. what would it be and why? After high school, yeah. I'll move to the trade school or do something, I'll do my business. I will not even go to college or anything. I'm not wasting my time. Because the education, if somebody is genius, be genius and go work for NASA. That's your passion, go for it. Oh, we'll create Tesla, right? Yeah, go to Tesla or create something. But if that's not my desire to be, well, I'm wasting my time. It's like nowadays over here, you see people graduate in... Uh, Art, getting a master degree in art. What the art is doing for you? Or maybe if you are good in art, you have your own show, you have all those uh, mm-hmm. uh, art to sell. I understand it. But you take a school loan, 100000 for school loan and graduating art. What are they, it's like, uh, what's the purpose of it? If you cannot gain the money out of it, why are you wasting your time studying that stuff for? Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it's it's you're investing in something that potentially would not give you a return. Anything. It's like a, a, for somebody, if your parents are not rich or they come out for like a low-income family, at least they direct you to go to school. I'm not going to school for art. What is this serving to my family? This is not serving for anything. At least if I'm going for any degree where I know that I can graduate fast, and make my money and pay out my loan and take off whatever I want to take off, I'll do that. But not for a sake of uh, being intelligent. If you're intelligent, you don't have money, you're nothing. Yeah, you cannot be intelligent and sitting home and you have bills to pay. So, I mean, you're obviously a huge entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship is like the main key. Because uh, back home, our mothers and fathers, they are entrepreneurs. Next question I was going to ask you. I mean, do you come from an entrepreneurial background? Yes. So everybody in your family is an entrepreneur? Yes. 
Yes, if you want to be the, like the genius at Einstein level, that's you're on your own. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. It's like a, one of our cousins, for example, one of our cousins, after this lady, after her middle school, she said to my uncle, I'm not going to school. Oh, the, oh, everybody, the whole family was on her. Why you don't want to go to school? Oh, we all, the whole family usually go to school. We are educated people. She said, no, I'm not going. Hmm. And one day, my uncle said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And she starts selling fish. Just like she's... She get it like a dose of frozen fish. So she's buying it at Post Bowl. Yeah. Okay. And buy and smoke and selling fish. <laughs> All of a sudden, little by little, she owned some freezer, freezer from freezer. She got container, freezer containers. She looks one of the richest women back home right now. She's the one who import all the fish from everywhere to sell to people. Her brothers who are like a, a whole professor, all this kind of nonsense, they don't have anything. They don't have money. So you think that was a factor to your success? Yeah. Because like, uh, sometimes it's like when we were going to school, I did uh, I did something at high school they call like uh, a scientific uh, high school, like uh, one of people who are more like a uh, smart or math level, mm-hmm. physics level. I was in that program because but well, I would call myself like a smart, but sometimes I question my smartness. I always ask myself, why do I have to be doing all those math and chemistry stuff and somebody doing the literature and they getting the same degree and getting the degree and making money? Why would I burn my brain for those stuff for? Sometimes it's like a waste of time. Yeah. At the end of the day, if I'm not creating anything, I'm not creating a computer. I'm not creating a light bulb. What are you wasting your time for? Do something productive and move on with it. That's definitely interesting. So coming from your background, it sounds like you have a, a coordinate of family, right? Yes. So how do you juggle your work life with your family? Work life with family life is not that easy. Because so I was going to school. I graduated when my daughter was like, a, my wife was pregnant, my first daughter. And at that time, I had to take my license or exam to be a license in New Jersey. At that time, it wasn't easy at all. Juggling, babysitting, daycare, all this kind of thing, it's not that easy. Everybody had to live their own experience to know what it is. Mm-hmm. It was difficult for me. It, w- it was difficult, difficult. Yeah, and I think your wife, I mean, both of you kind of share that same common accord of being an entrepreneur. Yes. So I think that probably, and you could talk to it a little bit more, yeah. is that more helpful that you're with somebody that understands and is also in the same spirited, same kind of mindset? Mindset, yeah. It's more easy because when, even if, if you are an entrepreneur, whoever you with, your partner or your wife or this kind of thing, at least the person can wish you the best and leave you a free way to go to it. Or some people, it's like they don't believe in you. And they, it's like you have to start going over that obstacle from home first before you can do whatever you want to do because it's not that easy. Because even when I was coming, we came to Georgia. We were living in La Farida. I told her I'm resigning from my optical job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she can't grab it. <laughs> it wasn't easy for her because she was thinking at the money level. Mm-hmm. 
because the money was there, the money was coming and at the same time we were doing a real estate. So when I say fully I'm going to the real estate business, it wasn't easy for her until she grabbed it and said, oh yes, go for it. Go yeah, for it. It's definitely a more solid investment when you put the time up front and you build into it. So yeah. So what's your morning routines, your morning habits? My morning rabbit is a... Uh, mm, I would say it depends. <laughs> it depends. Sometimes, but well, you you waking up or uh, get a, especially the little one ready <laughs> for his school, or maybe walk out the second one to the bus stop. It depends. Sometimes I get up or uh, maybe they leave me alone. I get more rest and wake up and do my <laughs> my gym downstairs. Come and shower and be on my computer and responding to email and know who to call for this if they have any contract available for me. What time do you usually wake up? Usually, I wake up around 6, 6 o'clock. Okay. Or maybe sometimes it depends. If I fall asleep earlier, like uh, 10 p.m., I wake up at like 4, 5 or 4.30. Okay. 4.30, yeah. So what time does your day usually end? My day usually end like maybe... I would say from work, maybe by 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah, it depends on what kind of a phone call I get. Gotcha. Yeah, even right now, it's today, the plan was to be here with you yeah, at, yeah. at 11, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, what time is it right now? <laughs> Four? Five, uh-huh. 5.30. Uh, 5.30, yeah. Well, hey, yes. We got yeah. done. So. Yeah. Hey, guys, let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. Support for Boss Uncaged and the following message comes from Cerebral 360. Cerebral 360, where your online strategies become offline reality. Cerebral 360 has over 20 plus years of successful marketing and unique brand development. Contact Cerebral 360 when you need instructive online success strategies. Learn more at www.cerebral360.com. Back to the show. What do you see yourself in 20 years? In 20 years, I would say I'm thinking about like a settle something and retire mm-hmm. and have like a, a passive income coming from my real estate and spending more time back home. I can spend like four months or six months over there and come back over here for four or six months back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. And just relax. That's nothing major. It's like uh, sometimes I see this in my life. We have a say in uh, West Africa. If you go to market in the morning at the sunrise, you don't sell it. It's not as a sound down you're going to sell it. <laughs> but it's not like sometimes it's like you give up on yourself. Sometimes you work hard on your whole life. If you'll be a millionaire, you'll be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you are 80 years old, you'll be a millionaire. Or 90 year old, you'll be a millionaire. It may happen. Yeah. But sometimes you have to let oh, your time, your time is going to run your life no matter how. But you have to settle in and enjoy your life. <laughs> enjoy your life. It's definitely a, a serious philosophy. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I mean, I think you kind of partly answered this. I mean, so you know where you want to be in 20 years. Yes. Where do you see your business in 20 years? My business in 20 years is something I'll be sitting down. And say, oh, this property over here, let me sell it. Let me enjoy my money. This property over here, let me get rid of it. Let me enjoy my money. That's how I see myself. 
It's like I'll make my portfolio as much as I can. So when it comes to 15 or 20 years, I will start enjoying my money. So are you more into like um, family or more into commercial real estate? Oh, family for now. For now, because uh, real estate, real, uh, the, uh, the commercial is more, I would say it's one size more money. Mm-hmm. And one size, uh, if you put in yourself into it, you can get it. Okay, commercial-wise, it's like a rental, multifamily. Mm-hmm. I can do that. And uh, the, right now, at my level, it's a, whatever is easier for me to get rid of, if I want to get rid of it. Got you. So, you, I mean, do you buy and hold, or do you buy and flip? Or, I, mean? I buy a flip. Okay. Yeah, I buy a flip. The whole is a... I can't say I'm not at that level yet, mm-hmm. but it's uh, I'm playing the secure side first Got it. until I have my whole oh, my both feet on, on the floor and say, oh yeah, I can go for it. I can go for yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I would think. I mean, when you look at real estate, there's so many different ways of making money in real estate. Yes. But I would think one of the reoccurring revenue streams of real estate is to buy more commercial properties and you're leasing, subleasing, subleasing, renting yeah. it, renting it. So. On the family side, you can get an apartment building. Yes. On the commercial side, you can potentially get a huge building, building. rent out the spaces to other oh, the, the whole companies. company. Yes, because when you are into the commercial, the commercial, the good thing about the commercial, the commercial rental or leasing is uh, when you lease the commercial, every six months or every year, you still making money out of it. You are the agent. The agent still make, making money out of it. If it's in a good location, like in the real estate, they say location, 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 location. No matter how you want to buy, look for the location. You are in a good area and you have a good tenant, you will make money, a ton of money. Especially in Georgia, it's an open market. I will say that way because Georgia is like a building up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I'm looking to, of course. So you deal with the verticals as well. So you yeah. look at land? Yes, and land, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So recommendations, just in general, yeah. in today's market today, mm-hmm. if somebody was looking to get into your field, what would you tell them to do first? I would say invest in a multi-family business, a whole a home. So you're talking about like a duplex? A duplex, duplex, a multi, yeah. I mean, you're talking about like two keys or I mean, I always hear the statement about if you're going to buy two keys, then you might as well buy 20 keys. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, especially in the real estate, it's like sometimes, no matter how you advise the person for that, like, a, or that's the best way, there's no such thing as like the best way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, do like open door. Okay. No matter how the opportunity will come, look at it and grab it. That small opportunity you say, oh no, I don't like it, that can bring you 30,000 or 40,000 you don't have before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes you see like, say, oh, I'm in commercial only. No, there's no such thing. Because there's many sides of the money who are going to show up to you. You cannot say no. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's like when they ask oh, which is the best, no. I don't see it's the best. Whatever opportunity show up to you, just grab it. So yeah. what, what tools do you use that you would recommend for somebody that's coming into the business? That you couldn't do your business without, per se? Yeah, for the tools, I would say... There's a lot of website now when it comes to the houses or buying houses. Mm-hmm. Don't rely only on a real estate agent to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, 
the bad side about the real estate agent, sometimes they're just pushing you to make sale. them money, to, for sale, to make them money. And do your own research. Because in houses business, there's a lot of crook. The contractors, sometimes if you don't have that relationship with them, they're going to fool you. You have to know how much average, the average cost of labor, the average cost of material, I won't say the average cost of material. Material, if you go to Home Depot today, is a, a price for it. Check with Lowe's or check with us. There's a bunch of independent supply sellers out there. They are not like brand new, but they're selling the same stuff as Home Depot and Lowe's. You can check those prices and see. But when it comes to labor, a whole to the contractor, you have to build that thing. And sometimes you call, you can have like two or three electricians and you rely on. And you can call the James today and call Smith to go and check it for you. But I think you have to have a particular personality to be able to do that. Because most people, they'll stop at the first no that they hear, right? And yeah. I'm not saying you're a salesperson, but you have a smorgasbord of networking. That way you can go from one person to the next. Another person. And then compete them against each other to get the best rates. That's right. Okay. Yeah, because uh, sometimes you don't rely, don't have to rely on one number. Mm-hmm. You can have uh, all those numbers in your basket to do what, to know whatever you want to do. Even you know your contractor, you tell, call, tell your contractor, well, how much this job will cost me? Mm-hmm. And then when he leaves, call another one. Somebody you don't know to come and give you an idea. Most of those stuff is like, uh, it costs you your whole ignorance is going to cost you because you're going to spend money on something you don't even need. But somebody can come to your house and say, oh, there's a mold or there's a leak of water in this area of your carpet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chanel, let me cut off that carpet area. We fix the water leak. Let me cut off this carpet area. I can fix it for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. He give you his rate. And you call somebody and say, come on over there. Oh, you have a leak in the house, blah, 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 blah. Let me remove the whole carpet. True. And he can say, oh, I'll, let me remove the whole carpet, blah, 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 blah. I'll get a dumpster. I'll get this, blah, 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 Because he removing the whole house carpet just for that water leak. Does he need to? No. He wants to make his money. When you look at it, that's like hourly work, right? He's working per hour, so he wants to get more per hour, so he wants to work longer period of time. Long period of time. Instead of coming over there and fixing that stuff for you for $50. Turn and burn. Uh-huh. He wants to drag drag your feet and get a dumpster, get this, get this. And, and he's make, marking up each price. In, each price. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of sucks because, I mean, he's nickel and diamond, but at the same time, he's burning like 20 hours on one job on instead one job. of building multiple jobs to make passive revenue. No, he's smart. He's making passive revenue on you. For example, if he take that job, mm-hmm. he knows that job going to take him maybe three, three or two days. You give him the contract, he'll get a dumpster over here, blah, blah, blah. They will remove everything because he's going to make a chunk of money on you. Instead of charging you for 200 to remove a part of the carpet so you can fix it, he nickel you until that job will cost him 15 or 2000 He's making his money no matter how. Yeah. Yeah, because if he say, oh, I'm removing that part only for 200 now. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but I think that that's a jacked up way of doing business. When you can look at it as, hey, I could hire people to remove 20 carpets at the same time 
versus trying to nickel and dime one individual person. Mm-hmm. He can make the same money and do no work whatsoever. Twelve. That's crazy. Yeah, they play the game and some little stuff. For example, if you go to uh, like a hardwood floor, flooring supply store, mm-hmm. okay, they will tell you you're looking for laminate for two thousand square footage. It will cost you maybe eight hundred. Okay. He goes over there. He's a contractor. He goes over there. That 800, maybe they're going to sell it to him for 500 because he always get supply from them. Okay. You go over there and you talk to the supply guy. Oh, I'm not, I need to remove my carpet, blah, blah, blah. Can I open an account for you? They say yes. Okay. That same carpet from 800 is going to cost you the same price for 500. You get three, you're saving 300 right there. And that same 2,000 square footage, somebody can say, I'm charging you for 1,500. And at the same time, you can get somebody else or say, oh, you want to do this way with me? I know how to do it. I'm paying you maybe 300 to be a helper. I can do the installation on my own. Just be a helper, drag me the stuff. <laughs> you finish that job. It's time consuming. Sometimes you don't want to waste your time on it. You have two or three houses. Why are you wasting your time for it? I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get, get somebody to do it right away. And then you make your money. Yeah, it makes because some moving. moving, yeah. Because sometimes if you want to follow the penny on the floor and you listen more penny <laughs> falling out of your pocket. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. So what final words of wisdoms do you have for anybody that wants to step into this area of expertise as an entrepreneur? It's a patience. You have to have a patience. No matter how, how any business, if you don't have all the clues, you have to have a patient and listen to how things go. Because sometimes people just rushing for the numbers. And if you just rushing for the number, you're not gonna get it. Yeah, they're gonna screw you. We're talking about a whole carpet removal. A plumber can come to you for simple stuff. He can just put a snake in and snake your pipe for you. He can come and tell you you need to remove the whole house pipe. Mean information, information is a key. Uh, information, information is a key because of some there are a lot of contractors out there. They want to milk you to make their money, but it's a way to see. You no, know, I don't want it that way. You want to do it this way for me? I'm okay with it. Yeah, because uh, knowledge is the key when it comes to business. Because, uh, for example, somebody when I used to sell who used tires back home, why usually do it? Me and my brother. We go to Brussels, we go to Germany, and buy, the tire come from size, size 12, size 13, the wheel 13, mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16, 17, 21, and goes up to the highest, to do those big ones, to the truck. What we usually do, I can fold 14 wheel tire to 16. I can fold the 16 into 18. Oh, 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 oh. Let's, 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 let's rewind that back. <laughs> so you're talking about taking the tire off the rim. Tire off the Folding it in on itself to make it into a smaller size tire. Like, for example, I can take 14 wheel and push it in in 16 wheel, wheel tire. Okay. Okay. I can take the 20, hold it 18 and push it in 20, 22 wheel tire. Okay. When we do that, in one tire of 22, mm-hmm. you have three or four tires inside of it. When we go to the duty, when we pack the container, mm-hmm. when we go to the, the customer service, 
the custom service, we declare only one. You're, you're pretty much stacking them like cups inside of each other. each other. So that way when you go through customs or you, you import and export, and you're just labeling one tire, but it has two other tires inside. Inside. That's crazy. And then when somebody see you doing that business, they're going to say, oh, you're making money. You, yeah, I'm making money, but they don't know the trick underneath it. So, I mean, what's the fees that you're looking at for one tire? Okay, for one tire, it depends. And nowadays, I don't have the real price of it. Mm -hmm. For like a, hold a 16 wheel tires back home at that time will cost you like $300. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you buying those tires and then on top of that, you have those small sizes inside, mm -hmm. that's where you're making your money. From the smaller tires that you're not paying anything. Anything, yeah. Anything for. That's why you make your money. But somebody out there looking at you and say, oh, Chanel is making money out of time. I want to be entire business. You had to know the trick he was using to make his money. <laughs> yeah. Because don't just jump into it because you see him doing it. Hmm. Or maybe say, oh, can I come to you and help you to do your, oh, do your sale of tire? And then, and then you can learn a little bit or a little, oh, that bunch of tire coming from one, and then you know the trick of it. That's a hell of a damn trick. <laughs> <laughs> every, it's crazy. every business have the trick. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you have to know people or maybe people taught you how to do it and then you can do it. In a real estate business, I, I think I would say to myself, I waste my time. If I knew from the beginning, I will go straight to real estate. Hmm. Yeah, I will go straight to real estate. I won't listen to anybody. Or no matter how they can tell, oh, you're smart, you can go to school and graduate. I'll say no. I'll go straight to real estate business or construction business. So if there was anybody dead or alive that you could spend 24 hours with uninterrupted, who would it be and why? I would say my father. Really? Mm. Why? He's the type of guy, it's like, a, he's a multi-tax person. And hanging out with him is like you never get bored. He always gets something to do. Something to do. It's like um, I got that deal from my father. Was, my father is he's a tailor. He can take your measurement, <laughs> sew your clothes for you, everything. He's a plumber. He can do plumbing. He can do ironing stuff, welding stuff. And he used to be a contractor, and he hired people work for him, carpenter, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. More you know, right? More you know. <laughs> Got a, one of the bonus question for you. Right? Yeah. If you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? A superhero? Yeah. We really know you really know your son will be Sonic, right? <laughs> <laughs> superhero. Mm. Wow. See, I had to give you a harder one. The other one it was natural. You just said your dad, it just came so easily. So yeah. I had to stump you just a little bit. I say if I would be a superhero, I would say I'll be myself, but give me a power to see forward. So more like, um, I guess, like Xavier from X-Men. You can kind of see a little bit into the future. And the future. See people's minds. Yes, yes. I'll be myself and see the future. Yeah, that's my, yeah, yeah. That's the person I can well, I be. I mean, that's, that's like the ultimate superhero <laughs> power. You can see the future then. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's like Mr. Manhattan. Yeah. From DC Comics. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, crazy. because uh, it's like oh, you see the future, you know where to step mm -hmm. and do stuff. And then I won't do the same mistake I did before. <laughs> That's gotcha. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You'll, you'll be like a. Imagine being reborn into that gift, right? You're, yes. You're a six month old with everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
It's crazy, man. But I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come out today, man. I think yeah. you definitely gave us a bunch of things to think about between real estate <laughs> and stuffing tires. <laughs> It's definitely crazy. Yep, yep. Appreciate it. No Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you, please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember to become a Boss Uncaged you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash bossuncaged.